why don't we pray really quick as we get into this word this morning. Um, the title that I've given this sermon today is Back to Basics. Can you say that with me? Back to Basics. There we go. Let's pray really quick. Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much for this time that we get to come into your house and worship. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would uplift us, that you would empower us by your Spirit's power to to spend that intentional time with you, to be in community the way that we should and that we would go out into the world and serve those around us. Lord, remind us and, and teach us and recalibrate our hearts and minds this morning. Reform us, Lord, um, in our hearts and minds to understand what you want us to know about the church, Lord. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this opportunity that I get to preach, Lord. I pray that you would use me as a vessel. Um, may it be less of me and more of you this morning, Lord. Just use me and, and encourage us and open our hearts and minds to what you have to say through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? All right. Well, this morning, like I said, today's sermon is back to basics. And um, if you have seen me preach before, you know that I usually have a few theme verses or a theme verse out of our scripture for today. And what we, what we have is we actually had two readings this morning. And the reason why I had us do that, friends, is so that we could use this Hebrews passage as kind of a framework around the Philippians passage for us to understand what Paul is really getting at. Um, as Paul, is, Paul the Apostle has been writing Philippians, he's in prison writing this some of the most encouraging words of all of history and all of God's word and it's it's as he's sitting in a prison cell which Steve has been helpful to help us understand the context in the Roman time if you did not have friends to come and feed you you didn't eat if you needed a pillow or something to sleep on or something to sleep with nobody was going to help you unless you had some friends on the outside who were kind of aware of your situation so imagine being completely isolated and feeling completely alone and then writing some of the most incredible words by the power of the Spirit to encourage the church. And as he's writing this, you have these incredible Christians coming around him and supporting him at, at one of his hardest seasons of his life. And, and today, I really think that this is so important for us as families to explore. Um, if you're here by yourself, you are not alone. Let me just say that. You are part of the family of believers today. You have a faith family that we are so thankful to be alongside you and support you in your walk with Jesus. Um, so be, be encouraged by that. You are not alone. If you're feeling alone and isolated, whatever situation you're going through, may I just speak in Jesus' name against that and rebuke that spirit and just speak truth into your life today. That you are not alone, whatever you're going through. And if Paul can write encouraging words, what more can the Lord do with us? Amen? Amen. Hold on. Amen? Amen? There we go. We're going to wake up this morning, yeah? Yeah, good. Good. So, like I said, we're going to use this Hebrews passage as a framework. As, as Paul is writing these encouraging words in Philippians, we're going to look at um, some of these scriptures from Hebrews to help us understand what it means for us to really be the church. And I have, I have a little object lesson here that we're going to work through, or just some dis discipleship training that we're going to do. This is something that Steve and Patty and I and my wife Annie are very passionate about, and a lot of us here at New Covenant. But I'm also, hey kids, I need your eyes really quick. I can see you. Kids in the back, if you're in the nursery, I know you can hear me in there because I turned on the right thing on the soundboard. Um, 
even though you can't see me, you can hear me. I have some, some uh, magnetiles that I'm going to need you young folks to help me with, but we're going to do that in a minute. So let me just share with you our theme verse for today, and then um, we're going to watch a little video that I've used many, many times in some of my discipleship training. Let me just explain what that is. I, I do think there is a difference from being just a Christian in your, in your morality or in your social life and, and saying, you know, well, I grew up Catholic or I grew up Lutheran. Well, what does that mean? Well, the question is, um, what I want us to explore today is, are you really being discipled? Are you really allowing um, Jesus to use people in your life to really speak into situations and, and disciple you and walk with you through that? Right? Something that we're really passionate about here at New Covenant is discipleship ministry. Finding small group huddles for you to get involved in your faith and walk beside other believers, not to feel like, eh, 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 eh. that's not discipleship, that's just condemnation. And the church has done that too many times, amen? amen? Yeah, so maybe you're like, oh, I don't go to church because of that. Let me just, again, speak in the name of Jesus against that. No, 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 that's not what we're saying. To walk beside one another. To be, to be a real Jesus follower, to look at his life specifically and start to model our lives and our character and our competencies around who Jesus is. Because that's what changed the world, right? It was one guy and 12 dudes. And look where we are today. What more, what's that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Phyllis. Hallelujah. We got a hallelujah over here. All right, this side, you better pump it up, okay? Come on. What's that? Oh, all right. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do it. This isn't VBS. Come on, Alex. No, I'm just kidding. So let me read these scriptures for us one more time. This is our theme verses for this morning. Um, you can read along with me. Don't worry about saying out loud. Hebrews 10, um, 23 to 25, it says this, such a beautiful scripture. It says, we must hold on to the hope that we have, never hesitating to tell people about it. We can trust God to do what he promised. We should think about each other to see how we can encourage each other to show love and to do good works. We must not quit meeting together as some of us are doing. No, we need to keep on encouraging each other. This becomes more and more important as you see the day of judgment or the day of the Lord's return getting closer. That's what they're talking about. So go ahead, guys. Let's watch this video, and then we'll, we'll, we'll work through this. To be a disciple means we're learning to be like Jesus, growing in his character while learning to do the things he could do, developing his competencies. It's about character and competency. To do this, we increasingly pattern our life after the life of Jesus. So one of the questions we have to ask is how Jesus would pattern his life if he had your job, if he had your personality type, your family situation lived where you lived, or made the same amount of money that you make. When we examine the life of Jesus in the Gospels, what we see emerge is a particular way of relating to the world around him. He is very intentional in how he used his time to invest in certain kinds of relationships. It's the pattern of his whole life and ministry. Put another way, Jesus had three great loves that his entire life oriented around. In Mark 9, 2 through 29, we see Jesus go up a mountain to pray. But this wasn't abnormal for Jesus, was it? 
Throughout his life, he was constantly getting away from the crowds and everyone else to spend time with his first love, attending to the upward dimension of his life, his relationship with his father. We then see him come down the mountain and run straight into the people he's investing his life into, his disciples. Jesus was never ambiguous about who his spiritual family was. In attending to the inward dimension of his life, Jesus spent more than 50% of his time with just his spiritual family and no one else. But then, he steps out into the full brokenness of the world, driving out an evil spirit from a troubled boy. Jesus attends to the outward dimension by dealing with sin head on. He's concerned with how sin affects individuals, how each person is separated from God because of their sin and doomed because of it. And he's concerned that when you get a bunch of sinful people together, they create systems of sin and injustice. Sin creates individual problems and communal problems. Jesus stepped out and brought hope to both. Three great loves. He was deeply connected to his father. He was constantly investing in those his father had given him to disciple and to be spiritual family with and he entered into the brokenness of the world with good news and asked for a response individually and communally. To be disciples of Jesus, we pattern our life in the same way that Jesus did, up, in, and out. Most people are naturally good at one. They're okay at a second, and they're fairly bad at a third, but rather than simply playing to our strengths, we commit to be learners. The invitation of Jesus is to pattern our life after His, to learn His ways, and to let His power be made perfect in our weakness. But we also recognize that because a collection of Christians is the body of Jesus, we want the full expression of Jesus, not just parts of it, so that these three dimensions saturate community life as well. Whether it's a group of eight people or a group of 8,000, when a group of people is committed to truly being the body of Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins stoking the fires of a red-hot center by which people can't help but be drawn into the warmth of. When we have a spiritual family learning to live into up, in, and out in a communal way, people the Lord has prepared can't help but be drawn in because this community is the gospel made visible. Nice, right? Thumbs up, did that make sense? Nice, that's a good response. That's great. So like I said, today we are getting back to basics. Is this helpful, this shape? This is the discipleship model by a guy named Mike Breen, who came up with it a few years back, where he uses just shapes in our world, circles, triangles, squares, all these things that we see on a normal basis, to really teach us about what it means to be Jesus followers to be discipled by him and what, how we can actually have healthy rhythms as individual Christians but as communities of Christians so that we actually are something that is tangible, something that's in, um, kind of in inviting and is something that kind of meets the needs of the people in our community. Um, like he said in the video, there's a warmth that when we're having these healthy rhythms of kind of a Jesus pattern in our lives, the world can't help but be drawn to that warmth because the world is cold and it is void. It is in darkness. It is away from the light. And there's parts of our hearts, amen, that we all have those spaces. But again, when we get into those healthy rhythms, the Lord draws us near. He draws us close. He invites us in. He does something new, 
right? So, so today we are going to explore what this means for us to, to think about these healthy rhythms rather than occasionally subscribing to something. And I said the word subscribing because we usually use the word prescribe, but if I'm going to prescribe medicine to you, um, you take it on a regular basis and then you're done, right? Subscribing is I'm subscri- like I'm going and getting that when I want it and then my, you know, it's like, hold on, let's actually stop prescribing or subscribing to this stuff, but actually start to allow this to be a healthy rhythm in our lives that changes us over time. Like he said, he said uh, that we would rather play, you know, we so often play to our strengths, but he said we, we need to commit to being learners. We need to commit to being learners. As a musician, am I ever done learning how to play guitar? Hold on, let me ask that again. As a musician, all my musicians over here, come on, band. No, <laughs> no, can Alex learn a lot more? Yes. <laughs> right? Thumbs up. Thank you, bud. But, but we, this Jesus following thing is like learning how to play something or learning, like we're, we're constantly learning what this means. We're getting back to basics. So what we're going to do really quick is we're going to look at this. Um, if you've ever done discipleship training with me, if you've ever been one of my music students, you'll know that I literally give you your answers right in front of you. I'm a youth pastor. Come on. Right? So you're going to get this right today. There's your clue, and we're going to fill this out together, okay? So let's talk through this. Like he said, let's just do a recap of what he was saying. So he talks about how there are three great what? Loves. That who had? Jesus had three great loves, right? He had an up relationship with who? God the Father. Okay, and then what happened when he kind of went to this next relationship? What was the in relationship? With his disciples, right? With his faith family, right? So in with his faith family. Sorry if you can't read this. God bless you. Okay, I'm a terrible speller too, so good luck. So I'm trying to do this holding a microphone too. So in his faith family, how much time did it say that he spent in his faith community. More than 50%. I don't know what the math is on that, but it's a lot, right? Right? And I think this morning what I want us to do is I want us to think, hold on, what relationships, these three great loves that I have, which two am I doing well? Which one is the best one that I do? Which one is the one that I'm doing pretty good at? And which one am I really falling short of? And not to just leave here going, I just suck. No, I'm not telling you that. I want you to leave here knowing we want to encourage you in that space that you're kind of falling short. Do not walk with Jesus alone. You cannot walk with Jesus alone. Amen? Amen. Jesus was never meant to just walk alone with. He was continually inviting other believers around him so that those believers who are following him would not be alone. So, he had his up relationship with his father, which is number what? One. In relationship is number two. And then our out is number three. And what was the out relationship? The world. Well, what does that word mean, the world? Those heathens? No. 
not that kind of church. No, 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 no. What does this world mean? What does that mean? Fallen. Well, we're all fallen. Unbelievers, community? Yeah. So I would say unbelieving community. Now, does that mean that these are just terrible people? No. You know what? Because all of us have been there. Before the Lord reached out to us with baptism and adopted us, before the Lord said to us, I have people praying over you while you're in your mother's womb, I have people reaching out to you constantly. The Lord has been reaching out to you day after day after day, and he's constantly wanting to draw us closer, right? He's using these, these, these relationships to draw us into relationship, not religion, not a set of rules, a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for us to be free of what? Sin. Hallelujah. Now, where do we all fall short? We usually stop it out. What did he say that Jesus went back and did? He went back up the hill and he went back to his father. You see the rhythm? You see the cycle? So, beloved, we need to be aware of these three great loves in our lives, and we need to just be real and say to ourselves this morning, maybe this morning you're looking at this pattern and you're saying, you know what, Alex, I'm actually failing at all three of those. Hallelujah, great self-awareness. I'm so thankful you're here. Let us pray for you and help you. Don't just leave this place going, again, oh, just I'm not good at, no. Let's be real with ourselves and really look. Maybe your time with Jesus is what you're really good at. Maybe you're a Bible scholar that you just spend time in God's word. God bless you, right? That is so good. But maybe you're just staying stuck there. Maybe you're not going and delving into community and sharing that with those around you, those brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, to just say to your spouse or one of your friends, man, I was reading God's word. Can I just tell you what you're saying to me right now? I just want to speak truth into that situation. I just read this the other day, and I know that it wasn't just for me, it was for you too, right? That's how we use that up relationship, right? To spend time with God in relationship by just spending time in his, in his word, in prayer, with him alone, finding that time where it's just me and my father, right? So there's that relationship, or maybe you're saying, maybe I'm really good at in, maybe I'm really good at coming and going to church, but I literally never read my Bible because it's on the shelf and it's dusty and I don't know where to start. Or maybe you're saying, you know what, Alex, to be honest, all I do is hang out outside the church and I'm barely ever in the church or around other Christians and I know that I'm never really reading God's word. What happen- How does the church get off kilter so that we're unhealthy churches? We don't do these things. We stay stuck at up. We stay stuck at in. We stay stuck at out. And I think if we're honest, during the pandemic, the Lord moved the church. Did he not? I said this this morning with our devotion for our band. You know, we literally live in a time where the Lord crossed denominations, cross how Christians fight with each other, which is so annoying, but we do, is he literally moved everyone online. He moved everyone in this new way. Church has been remade. Hallelujah. You know why? Because I don't think the church was healthy. And when the Lord needs to prune something so that it grows right, he'll do it. 
And maybe there's points in our lives where we need to say, Lord, I need you to take this part of my heart and prune it because it's growing weird. Right? I need you to help me get my up relationship, my in and my out, correct. Now, how many did he say that people are able to do? Two, pretty okay. And then what did he say? But most of us can't really do a third. You know who did these really perfectly? Jesus. <laughs> not you. Not me. He understands that we are, we're good at two of these places, but there's always a, pay, a space that we're falling short. And can I just speak about mission really quick in our church? I think we as a community, beloved, need to explore what out means because I think it's good that we are raising things to take to people, but I think in the Lutheran church specifically, our mission has been the mission, not the people. We love to raise funds. We love to raise stuff. Do you know the people that we're bringing this stuff to? Do we know their faces? To be honest, I don't. So that probably means that you don't know. We need to explore what this means to actually be the church. People want to be blessed by people, not organizations, not by this impersonalness. We need to actually sit down with people and know what they're going through and love them through it. And we need to allow people to do that to us. We've been isolated for far too long, amen? Yeah, it's time to come back together. Something I say to musicians all the time, and then I'll move on from this, is um, I always say to young musicians, hey, play to your strengths and manage your weaknesses. So if you're really good at playing one type of chord, if you know that chord, like the back of your hand, play that chord in that song. The other six chords, don't worry about it. Wait your turn as a guitar player. Maybe your whole part of that song is to go. One chord. One chord, right? Play to your strengths and manage your weaknesses. Those other chords, let Alex deal with that, right? I've been there. You're going to get there someday, too. Do you see what I'm getting at? Good. Friends, we got to get back to basics. And what does that look like? It means that our attention, our eyesight needs to be focused on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because in this relationship, he naturally, by his Spirit's power, binds us together. You know, Paul's example in our Philippian text is he talks about how um, in verses uh, 2 to 3, two to six, excuse me. He talks about how he was a great Pharisee. He was circumcised at eight days old or something like that as an infant. Um, he's the family line of the tribe of Benjamin, which is a pretty big deal. He was, as he says in some translations, it says, Paul says to them, I, uh, I was a real Hebrew if there ever was one. Your relationship with Jesus is not based on your pedigree. Your relationship with Jesus is not based on your pedigree. Your relationship with Jesus is how much time you spend with him. Because here's the thing, he's constantly reaching out to us, like I said. Do we respond? This is what he says in Philippians 3, 7 and 9. I have it up on the screen. With You can read it along. He says this after he goes through this, these verses from 2 to 6 about how he was such a great Hebrew. And then he says this, he goes... Uh, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage or loss, as some translations say, so that I could gain Christ 
and become one with him. No, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law or doing all the right things, coming to the right services when your spouse tells you to. That's for all, that's for all the people in the house that are just here because their spouse told me to come today. Uh, I know it's real. Um, he says that no longer through obeying the law, but rather I become righteous through my faith in Christ. For God's ways of making us right with himself depend on faith. Beloved, having simple faith goes so far in our life. This is more than, more than we can imagine, right? Faith has something incredible with it. It's not by what you do, but who you believe in. As we focus our gaze on Jesus, he draws us closer together like a magnet that cannot help but be drawn to one another. Kids, I need you to come up. They're all gone. Hey, teenagers. Kids left the building. Hey, uh, confirmation kids, teenagers, I need some help. Teenagers, I need your help in the back. Girls. Everybody go, teenagers, teenagers, teenagers. Oh, we got some young guys up here too. Good. Can everybody see me okay? Still online, good, good guys. All right, what I need you guys to do is I'm gonna give you some tiles here, and these have magnets on them. Ah, they came. You can text later. Put your phones away. Just giving a hard time. So. Can you guys help manage this where some of you are going to have red tiles, some are going to have green, some are going to have blue, and I want you to work together to build something, okay? Work, work together to build something. Don't worry about them for a second. Stay here. We're just trying to stay on time. I'm looking at the clock, okay? I, I want to just share a few ideas really quick as these kids are doing this. I have a question up here on the slide that says, is attending worship really that important? All right, let's see what it says here. Yes. Let me just speak to us really quick as adults. I want to just speak into this. Because when we are, we all worship something, we need to be honest with ourselves. We all worship something, right? And I think this morning it's important for us to recognize what am I actually worshiping? My own needs or my need to be filled up? right? Worship is this wonderful thing where the Lord pours like a waterfall over us and we respond kind of like the mist. It's this beautiful thing, right? He's just pouring out his love on us. You guys are doing a good job. When we are worshiping Jesus in spirit and truth, it's no longer about attending ceremonies, is what Paul says in some translations. Some of us come to churches a couple times a year for us to go to church at Christmas and what's the other holiday? What's the other holiday? Itty bitty choir. <laughs> right? When my kid is up doing something, I show up. Maybe they're getting confirmed. Maybe there's a baptism or a christening. It's a baptism. That's what it's called. It's baptism. Right? It's this, we come to these things because it we, we're obligated to be there. May I encourage you, beloved, and I'm using that word because I love you with all my heart. Beloved, please do not come into this house out of obligation. 
And even if you are here out of obligation this morning, I know that God is doing a mighty work in your heart because you are not here by your own means. The Spirit of God is using those around you to draw you deeper into relationship. I do not want you to leave here feeling heavy-hearted or attacked from me. I do not want you to hear that. I want you to know that the Lord is here because he's brought you here because he loves you. Father said, come home. Let me prepare a feast for you so that you can eat well and be filled to the brim. Do you see what I'm getting at? That's what church is all about, is a group of Christians who individually follow Jesus coming together to build something great by the Spirit's power. So here's the thing, kids. Sit down in the front row for just a second. Thank you very much. Give them a hand. Stay here. Stay here. Sit in the front row. Front row. Front row. Come on. I want you to hear this. Ariella, can I give this to you? Can you stand up here and just hold that piece up? Show, show everybody. What color is her tile? What shape? Ooh. See how I did that? Don't worry about it. It was mostly for them. Um, I want you to build something by yourself with this one piece. Don't touch any other pieces or ask for help. Just that one piece, go. That's it. No, right here. Don't use any of this stuff. Just stand over there. Now do something great with that. Come on, Ariella. <laughs> of course your parents clap. You know, I'm just like, no. Is it hard for you to do something with one piece by yourself? Could you come over here, take that piece, and add it to something that your friends built? Thank you. Sit down. Do you see what I'm getting at today? On our own, we cannot accomplish anything. It's not about your pedigree. It's not about what you've done on your own. It's not about your own willpower. It's about us submitting to the Father, keeping our eyes focused on him, and allowing him to draw us closer together so that we can build and accomplish great things. I'm not talking Tower of Babel. Right? What was wrong with their hearts with Tower of Babel? They were trying to be God. I'm saying don't try to be God. Depend on the Lord. Depend on God together. It's time for us to reconfigure in our minds what does church actually mean? What does church actually mean? It means for us to come together as believing Christians. Rely on the Spirit of God. Keep our eyes focused on the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and let him show us what we can accomplish. And let, us, let him use our gifts, right? It's cool if I play my, my songs that I've written by myself. It's a lot cooler if I got a band. Because there's always a guy who plays guitar way better than me. And there's always somebody like Ron who plays way better drums than me. God bless you if you've seen me play drums. Sorry. Right? No, it's... It's important, right? With singers, you can add harmonies and beautiful tones. You see what I'm getting at? Let's just look at this really quick. I have um, a little quick, simple equation, and we'll finish up. Can you go to this? It says, so out of our, out of our scripture in uh, our theme verse today, 
It says this, we must hold on to the hope that we have, never hesitating to tell people about it. We can trust God to do what he's promised. So those red tiles, it's like God's word. That's the promise that he gives us. We should think about each other to see how we can encourage each other to show love to do good works. Encourage each other, do good works, green and blue tiles, good. Meeting together in worship. We must not quit meeting together. The pandemic is done. It's time to come together. Amen? Amen. Come on. We must not quit meeting together as some are doing. No, we need to keep on encouraging each other. It becomes more and more important as the day of the Lord is getting near. A few things about worship. Can you go to this slide for me, Zach? A few things that I took from Annie's. Uh, Annie did a, and I did a worship conference a few years ago. These are some of the slides that she shared with the, uh, the bands that we worked with. Go ahead and go to where it says, uh, here we go. Let's go to when we worship, we receive. Let's go to that. So here's a few things that I took from her slides. When we worship, we receive life from Jesus in his word from his word and his body and blood. We're going to share communion in a minute so that we can be filled up. Worship is part of our DNA. The Lord made us to worship. It's what we were created to do. But the question that I'm asking is, what are you worshiping? 8,629 times is the word worship or the act of worship mentioned in God's word. As a college student, I learned really quick, if you're... Professor says it two times and writes it on the board. What are you supposed to do? Write it down. <laughs> That's going to be on the quiz, right? That's for you, Zach, you're in college. I'm trying to help you, buddy, right? It's important for us to recognize the Lord's talking about this 8,629 times. Is it important that we worship? Yes. And this is the last thing that I want to share this morning is this, is that worship is personal, but it is not private. Worship is personal. It is not private. We are called to worship as a family, as families. Dads, moms, kids. That's why we do Fourth Sunday once a month. We're all meant to be together. Come on. It's not private. It's time for us to come together as a family, as families, and be a family of believers to accomplish great things. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that worship is not a private thing, that it is it is personal, Lord, but that we're called to worship as family. Jesus, I thank you for the three great loves that you showed us in our lives, our relationship with our Father, our relationship with our faith family, our, our relationship with those that we love outside of the church, Lord. Father, I pray that you would empower us by your Spirit's power, that as we focus our attention on you, Like that, Paul, we would stop looking at all these other things about ceremonies or, you know, my own works. But it's by your grace, Father. It's by your love for us that you draw us closer. You get our attention. Father, keep our attention focused on you so that we might together start to come together and be united by your Spirit's power as families. Lord, I pray against any spouses that are arguing with each other in their homes. In Jesus' name, I pray against that. I pray that you would unite 
husbands and wives to show what the example of love, commitment, and sacrifice looks like to their kids. Lord, I pray for every parent in this room with a kid that's driving them bonkers. Lord, I pray that you just pour out your, your presence of patience and peace on our, on our families, on our parents. Jesus, I pray, I pray for patience and peace and, and a willingness to seek to understand what our kids are going through, that we would come down on their level and meet them where they're at. Lord, I pray for our children in this house. In the name of Jesus, I pray over the children in this house of worship that they'd be empowered by the Spirit of God, that they would encourage us as adults to remember that our faith is about being childlike and having eyes of wonder and not complicating our faith, but simply receiving the love that you give us, Father. Thank you how children teach us that. May we receive your love and your grace this morning. Lord, we pray for healthy rhythms in our lives. Help us to have a healthy relationship with you, Father. A healthy relationship with those in our community. And a healthy relationship with those who are struggling in our community and in the world. But Lord, don't let us stay there. Remind us to keep going back up to you. Lord, I pray that you would draw us into your presence, into this house, Lord, so that we might be encouraged, so that we can accomplish good works by your Spirit's power. In the name of Jesus, I pray all these blessings over us that your spirit would just pour out of me right now, Lord, into this room, into these situations, into these families, into this faith family, that you might use us to accomplish great and mighty works. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.